The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great Welsh Wire conversation. Now, here's Sherry Welsh. Hello, and welcome back to the Welsh Wire. We're thrilled to have you with us today. We have an exciting conversation planned for you. Our guests on the Welsh Wire today are Anna Gonzalez. Anna is the director of the family-owned business institute at the Seedman College of Business, Grand Valley State University, right in Grand Rapids area. And Chandra Spad, he's assistant professor of management at the Seedman College of Business, also at GVSU. We are thrilled to have them as our guests today as we co-produce this podcast with the Family Business Alliance in Grand Rapids. Anna and Chandra, welcome to the Welsh Wire. Thank you very much, Sherry. Thank you for having us. We are excited to hear some of your insights about your recently released report titled The Regenerative Power of American Family Businesses. Now, if you are a family business, lean in close because this is all about you. If you are not a family business, lean in closer because you're going to learn some really great stuff. This report is packed with interesting and insightful data about family businesses in the season that we're in right now, which I guess we kind of describe as the post-pandemic season. Anna, tell us a little bit about your report, the data you gathered, who helped you in this process? Absolutely, Sherry. So uh, the data we collected uh, was is based on a survey that was designed by the STEP Project Global Consortium. And this is a global network, research network of family business scholars that want to know and learn more uh, for and about family businesses. We're part of it as Grand Valley State University is part of this network. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I understand that many of the businesses that you surveyed and talked to for the data that goes into this report were actually West Michigan businesses, a great majority. Absolutely. So um, we we only have a couple of affiliates in the United States. And I know that uh, Seedman through the Family Business Alliance were the ones kind of leading the collection. So most of the data that you see there on the report is based on West Michigan. Fantastic. That that really brings it back to home, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the report is great. Um, listeners, listen, it is a 15-minute read. You can download it very easily by going to the Welsh and Associates website, welshandassociates.net backslash podcasts and blogs. You can find it there, download the link, or you can also go to Grand Valley's website, gvsu.edu backslash F-O-B-I, which is family owned business institute. And you can download it there. Um, And like I said, 15 minutes, great read, goes into a lot more depth than we'll have time to do today. Well worth your time. But right now, today, we want to focus on some of the key takeaways that you shared in this report. The first of which is the positive leadership style that was revealed in the family business. Chandra, can you talk about that a little bit more? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, survey asked the respondents to assess their family business leaders. And if the respondent itself was the family business leader, then to assess themselves. So, we assessed uh, family business leaders on three leadership styles authoritarian, transformational, and charismatic. Now, authoritarian leaders, they, they exert tight control over the affairs of the organization. They, they exhibit paternalistic behavior uh, towards their followers, towards their subordinates by combining authority, benevolence, and morality. Transformational leaders, on the other hand, they, they try to understand the needs, preferences, and aspirations of their followers and subordinates. Uh, they are able to motivate their subordinates to work towards a collective interest or a collective goal. And charismatic leaders, they, they, are, they are the out-of-the-ordinary leaders. Uh, they are admired by their followers for their exceptional talents and qualities. Our survey results suggest that family business leaders in USA, they greatly exhibit transformational leadership characteristics. Uh, they provide interesting outlook for the future of the family business. They are good role models for others to follow. And they also foster collaborations in their organization. Nice. From the research perspective, this is also the leadership style that correlates positively with performance, entrepreneurial orientation, and also the general business regenerative power. So that's a really big plus for family yes. businesses. That, that was a really great finding. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And you talk about a little bit, Anna, about some of the challenges that you find within those leadership styles, the extent to which they might be present, maybe to a smaller degree, right, with some Absolutely. leaders, but but still present. So talk about what some of those challenges are in other leadership styles that could be present and what those mean, particularly in family businesses. Yes, yeah, so as uh, Chandresh uh, mentioned, uh, even though family business leaders on the survey uh, reflect or show behaviors of uh, leaders that inspire their followers to go beyond, you know, what the job description says, and that's very positive, they also showed um, kind of, they tend to lean towards a bit of paternalistic behaviors. Uh, it, so those are about, I guess, family businesses are characterized to have this, you know, hands-on approach, you know, and especially uh, the, the owners kind of go into the way things are done. So they are on top of things when it comes to their employees or they have very, very close relationships when it comes with their customers, right? right. The thing with That's this right. is that as, as, as customers grow or business grow, this approach even though it's very positive, I mean, because people feel like they are closer mm -hmm. to the big boss, uh, it cannot be sustainable, you know, because you're going to bring more employees, you're going to have more customers, so you cannot deliver the same thing. So this paternalistic approach needs to needs to be revisited. Not that it is wrong, but uh, they should open the door so that employees and other people get some training or are ready for decision-making to treat uh, their customers directly as good as they do. Does that yeah. make sense? So that would be kind of a challenge. Yeah, it definitely does. And I wonder, I don't know if your, your research went this deep, but I can see that paternalistic 
behavior and leadership style being present, perhaps more in first gen business leaders, right? The ones who were entrepreneurial, started the company, it's kind of their baby. You might be talking to one right now. Right. You know, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. So research has has shown us that. Yes. So they family business can tend to be, you know, family owners, especially founders, tend to be more paternalistic. So they letting go or leaving even the business is is not even in their minds. Right. Behave as if they are going to live forever. And of course, it it makes sense. You know, I'm a mother. I'm going to be a mother forever. Right. Um, but, but in the end, and that's very positive in some aspects and the, the next generation knows this, but they are, they also want to be in charge. So this is something that founders or family business leaders who have been having their like long tenures need to think about these things. 100%. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like to bounce back to what Chandra shared too, that transformational leadership was really the majority of what you found so that many Many founders have already recognized the need to move from paternalistic into more transformational styles and or family businesses that are being run by next gen or second gen or third gen have already maybe made that segue successfully into that transformational style. That's yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. So thanks for sharing some of those traps, too. And what, you know, really, as a family business leader. You need to look out for in your leadership style. Chandra, can we go back and talk a little bit more about your findings around innovation? Because there were some interesting things there too. You indicated in your findings that family businesses are more incremental innovators than they are radical innovators. What does that mean? Tell us about that and how that affects the family business. Yes, yeah, that's an interesting uh, insight we got. So what is radical innovation? Radical innovation or disruptive innovation is about bringing new products and new services into the market, reshaping the market. they, these kind of innovations, they make the existing products and services obsolete. Uh, for example, what the streaming service from Netflix did to DVDs from Blockbuster. There are, there are no longer DVDs nowadays. Great example. That- On the other hand, incremental innovation is about making small improvements to existing products and continue to compete in the current market. Uh, a great example for that would be how Apple and Samsung battle out every year for their launch of the next version of the iPhone and, and Galaxy phone. So, so now, now let's take these two, these two ideas and, and combine them with what we got from the data. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about two specific responses uh, from the survey. 74% of the respondents said that their leaders favor a strong emphasis on R&D, technological leadership and innovation. However, only 42% of the respondents agreed that the changes in products or service lines have usually been quite dramatic. So if I combine these two together, if I combine these two responses together, then what I what I believe is that family businesses, they emphasize innovation, but they tend to emphasize incremental over radical innovation. Yes, I see that. I see that. Do you have a sense for why that is? Yeah, like... Uh, if you go towards uh, radical innovation, now we are we are we are delving into the realms of risk uh, and and risk taking abilities. So 
it it has to it has to actually move towards their understanding their risk profile their risk preferences and 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 other aspects of 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 investments in in, in r and innovation okay okay and you know i wonder too tell me if you think this is part of it as well i don't know if you went to this level but typically family businesses are not as large they don't have the budgets and the size that let you know let's be honest publicly traded companies fortune 500 companies have right i don't think there are too many fortune 500 family owned companies today in the united states um so it, that also i would assume to some extent limits their ability to really do far reaching deep reaching r&d is that fair to say or agreed so so let's that's that's the i think that's the bottom line that resource constraint is always a challenge yeah uh family businesses are more resource constrained than than these these big fortune 500 companies so uh if you have a uh, resource availability uh, definitely you you are you, you are and you can actually take more risks uh, yeah. your ability to take risky projects upfront are is is going to be more if you know that you have a backing of financial resources or human resources or any other kind of organizational resources so yeah. it always play there uh, but along with that availability or lack of availability of resources uh, it's the mindset uh, of of the of the leaders and and their vision towards the company uh, also plays into a role. Yeah, yeah. So in general, you're saying too, family businesses just tend to be more risk averse. That's what you noted. That's what the research suggests. Yes, that's what yeah. the data is talking about. Yes. Yeah. So what's the best way, do you think, for businesses to avoid that trap? Um, and still, you know, still be innovators. Maybe it's not possible to be those bleeding edge radical innovators, but but how do they continue to foster innovation in a healthy way, Shankar? So my my overall understanding of uh, of the entire reading of this data set is like this: that yes, uh, family businesses need to continue to participate in the current market. That means there is a significant chunk of investments in terms of time and resources that has to go into incremental innovation, participating in com- in competing the current products and current services which they are offering. But they should actually devise mechanisms to make prudent but consistent investments in some radical innovation as well, looking into the future. Uh, We all know that with the advancement in technologies nowadays, uh, markets are reshaping much quicker. Uh, Earlier, it used to take a decade for the market to change. Now it takes almost like a year or two and the market changes completely. That's right. So they, they cannot wait for the market to change and then upgrade themselves. Or, or 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 redefine themselves. They have to start looking into the future markets, the possible future markets, and start making small investments now, so that when the market changes, they are not caught behind. They are they are ready to move on to the newer markets along with the entire competition set. I love that. That is fantastic advice. And I'd like to just what sure. add one more thing regarding innovation. It's not that, that they cannot innovate or they are not successful innovating. It's just that, you know, it's it seems like a research has found that it's when things are very, very difficult that family businesses thrive at innovation, at innovating. Right? So the thing here is that they can do it 
they can change, they can adapt, and it can be done quickly because when you know you have things like the pandemic, for instance, they are able to thrive and innovate and change, right? Decision making yeah. can be very fast as opposed to, uh, uh, to those large uh, corporations. So the thing is, as Chandra said, this is a need and you have to kind of keep it going so that right. they understand that. I mean, it, it, you should, you know, you can, you've shown it. It just shouldn't be in the moments when things are downturning because sometimes, you know, innovations are great and sometimes they aren't like any, you know, risk. That is an excellent observation. No, thank you for bringing that around. That's a great observation. So, right. They demonstrated that they could do that in a crisis in a yes. pandemic, but, but you recognize you can do that all the time, not just when you're in a crisis and you should, it's, it's a healthy thing to be doing that all the time. Yeah. So you, yeah. So we're encouraged from the findings, encouraging them to move on. Great advice. Terrific advice. Lastly, Anna, you mentioned a little bit in the report about the strong socio-emotional wealth that's prevalent in family businesses. Tell us more about what that means and really what it means for the future too of family businesses. Of course, uh, Sherry. So, so emotional wealth, it sounds very complex, but complex, but it really is not. And it will make sense as soon as I explain it. This is a concept that was um, uh, defined for, for the first time brought to the family business field in 2007 by uh, Luis Gomez Mejia. And what it means, what is that it explains or deals with the emotional endowments that the family, the owning family has vested in the business, right? And if we connect to the conversation that we had before, sometimes when you are too involved, too emotionally involved, you know, your decision-making can be affected, you know, by those emotions instead of, you know, um, what other leaders could, you know, non-family business leader could, you know, take into account when they make decisions, right? So um, we study socio-emotional wealth because it could be something that on one side really, really pushes the family businesses to the family businesses to take risk, like we mentioned before. So maybe when things are going down, you know, they go, let's give it all to this change and let's change things up, you know, adapt and do something different because we cannot let our legacy, this thing that we love so much, you know, uh, fail during a crisis. But on the other side, and it touches with also what Chandra mentioned about risk um, taking uh, aversion, they say, well, maybe we shouldn't. So that's why they don't, uh, financing is not so much that it's not something that they do. So they don't like that. They don't want to take risks because they don't want to lose, you know, control of the company. They may need money to grow because there are resources constraints. And because these, they don't want to lose that control, um, they may be prevented to kind of invest and change. Does that right? right. Which ironically, the, that very behavior makes them more prone to uh, maybe not so bright a future, right? Exactly. That, that that in itself is risky because you're you're putting the company's future at risk if you don't innovate. Exactly. And change, so, which is kind of frightening also. Yeah. So you're you're calling out really some um some minefields, you know, in, in that, right? For family it, businesses to really 
watch for um, sort of an maybe an overinvestment in socio-emotional wealth to the detriment of change and innovation taking the company yeah. forward. Is that fair to say? It is. It is absolutely fair to say. And the other thing is that in this survey, we found they score very high on socio-emotional wealth on almost all the dimensions that they measure, you know, regarding ownership and control, identification of family members with the family business, and, you know, how much they feel, you know, connected to it as well. Yes. Um, so in general, they were they score very high on socio-emotional wealth, except maybe how much emotions... Um, are taken into account when making decisions. That was the only question that scored not that high, still kind of 50, over 50%. Okay. So. Yeah. So interesting. And, you know, just to anecdotally add some things, for, you know, from my perspective, because I am also a family business owner, right? And I'm the founder and the entrepreneur of the first generation. So I think it's fair for me to say this. I mean, it, it is really hard sometimes to let go. And I recognize that um, being at my age, you know, I have seen change, but not at the speed of change that, for example, my son who's in the business with me has seen, right? So he and those second generations and third, they're a little bit more comfortable with change than some of us first gen baby boomer founders, right? Um, so I'm talking to all the boomers out there like me, the first gen founders, we need to be careful to get out of the way and listen to our, our next gen, right? Our second and third gen and really take that input because we may not be as comfortable with change just because of our perspective in life, right? Excellent um, point. Yeah. But but the younger generations have, and we can lean into that a little bit more um, to have more comfort, I think, in taking risk. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So this has been a great conversation. I just want to encourage our listeners, again, if you want to dive into this report, which you should, there's so much more than what we could cover today. Um, we will share the link again. It can be found on our website, welshandassociates.net backslash podcasts and blogs, or it can, you can go to the Grand Valley website. That is gbsu.edu backslash f o b. I family owned business institute. Um, and the report, by the way, contains both Anna and Chandra's emails. Okay. So if you would like to reach out to them and you have more questions or, you know, just want a little bit more information, they would love, love, love to hear from you. Lastly, before we close today, I want to make sure that we extend a special invitation to all of you about a program that both Anna and Chandrich are hosting at Grand Valley State University, March 16th, 2023. It's called Sustainable Innovations in Family Business, Challenges, Opportunities, and Possibilities. It sounds like it's going to be a power-packed day. Um, you can register for that event by going on to Grand Valley's website, gvsu.edu, go to the Family Owned Business Institute, FOBI backslash events. You can read all about it, register there, and um, just really encourage you to check that out because if you are a family owned business, this is a place you want to be for additional information on how to be the very best you can be. So we have had a super terrific conversation today. I've learned so much. I really, really thank you, Anna and Chandrash, for the work you put into this report. You know, on behalf of all of our Family Business um, Institute members throughout West Michigan, Family Business Alliance members throughout West Michigan, and family businesses all over West Michigan. This is so good. The work you do, we are so appreciative of what you've done and your time today with us. 
Thank you very much, Sherry. Thank you, it Sherry. was a pleasure to talk to you. Same here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.